0: Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas
1: Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the fed kettle market is finally current. We have been backed up on fed kettle supplies for about two years now. It looks like we've finally chewed through all those supplies, gotten the market current, and that's why we've seen prices run up to 140 over the past week. We'll check in with one livestock marketing economist to get his take on the current fed cattle market. Also, illegal immigration has caused so many headaches this year for Texas farmers and ranchers. We visited recently with South Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar, and he's got quite a few stories to tell about the effects of illegal immigration on Texas farms and ranches. My name is Carrie Martin, I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Making a profit at a time when farmers are facing high input costs. That was certainly a big topic at the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show. I'm James Hunt, and I'll bring you One Economist's Thoughts on Texas Ag Today.
3: The impact of salmonella on swine health and performance. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: Annual ryegrass, a cool-season annual forage often utilized by livestock producers for winter grapes. However, it's often deemed an enemy of many a hay producer in East Texas. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton.
1: We'll have those stories plus Texas Wildlife News and a complete look at the markets all coming up. After nearly two years of supply backups, the fed cattle market is finally current. And that's resulting in the recent price jump up into the high 130s. Oklahoma State University Marketing Specialist Daryl Peel. We've had kind of an artificial constraint in place as we've been bumping up against this packer capacity issue all year. And uh, once we're now kind of below that, cattle numbers have dropped down to the point where that's not a binding constraint anymore. And so we're really starting to see the, the market fundamentals that were already in place really act on this market and Peel says that will resync all of the sectors of the cattle market from weaned calves all the way up to the boxed beef market as the market leverage finally swings back into the favor of cattle producers. Early 2021 brought some welcome rains and relief from a long stretch of drought to many areas of Texas but unfortunately that drought is continuing to creep back across the Lone Star state.
5: Drought continues to worsen across parts of Texas. According to the Texas Water Development Board, 40% of the state is under moderate or worse drought. That's up four percentage points over last week. The Water Development Board reports there have been improvements in drought conditions in parts of South Texas, but conditions have degraded along the midcoast, in East Texas, and in the Panhandle. The area of Texas impacted by drought rose for the 10th time in 11 weeks. Drought now impacts the Panhandle, northeast corner of the state, far west part of the state, and southwest Texas. Severe drought is impacting the Panhandle, Rolling Plains, and a few spots in northeast Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
1: The illegal immigration surge has caused a lot of chaos for Texas farmers and ranchers along the border, and the issue hasn't gone away. South Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar says he's hearing from his constituents about
3: it. A couple of days ago, I finished talking to a rancher in South Texas, and he was telling me about the number of people that cross his ranch every day. And I said, Every day? Hundreds? He says, Absolutely. I said, Well, send me some photos or a video. And that night, he sent me a video of this large group of people coming through his ranch. And I said, you get this every day? And he says, "Uh, I do. Uh, So we still have some of our rural uh, constituents, our ranchers and our farmers, that are still facing that type of situation where you have people coming in and trespassing over their properties at nighttime. And so, yes, I mean, it's still affecting our ranchers and farmers.
1: Quayar says he continues to get pictures and videos of large groups of immigrants crossing through Texas farms and ranches. We are living in challenging times right now with rising input costs, putting the squeeze on bank accounts, But James Hunt tells us that Texas farmers should still be able to make some money in the coming year.
2: At the Amarillo Farm and Ranch Show, I caught up with Texas A&M grain marketing economist Mark Welch. Dr. Welch was among the speakers at Wednesday's Texas Wheat Symposium, and during a break, I asked him, "With all of the volatility for both commodity prices and input cost, based on the conditions at the moment we were talking." Are things at profitable levels for producers?
6: It looks like at this point, yes, given normal conditions on the productivity side. Now, we've got a long way to go. It's going to vary from farm to farm. But if we were to achieve what we'd call an average or a normal kind of yield, if you're looking at wheat or even our other commodities uh, with with cotton or corn or grain sorghum, yes, these prices kind of work the opportunities are there. We've got the high prices on the output side associated with these high input costs. Yes, given normal conditions, we're probably in a better position this December 1st than we were a year ago.
2: Of course, as Dr. Welch pointed out to me, for individual farmers, their degree of success depends a lot on how well they're able to market their crops and control expenses. Dr. Welch says the extreme situation we're seeing with regard to inputs may require farmers to innovate.
6: We may need to have backup plans, other strategies in place, whether it's alternative chemical formulations to control our, our weeds and other pest pressures, are we going to rely more on tillage this winter and spring, based on the, perhaps an inavailability or the, uh, the high cost associated with some of these other inputs. And with the
2: big shock farmers are getting with rising fertilizer prices, Dr. Welch becomes yet another analyst who's told me soil testing is something producers need to consider looking ahead to spring planting time might we see some acreage shifts locally we'll hear from dr welch on that topic in our next report i'm james hunt on the texas farm bureau radio network
1: a new type of salmonella may affect texas pork producers tom nicoletti has the story
2: my guest is dr
3: fernando lette he is a technical manager for Enterix with Boehringer Ingelheim Animal Health. And uh, Dr. Lette, tell us more about uh, the new type of salmonella that has recently emerged that could uh, very well in- impact uh, US uh, swine populations.
7: Salmonellas, they're, they're characterized into serotypes and they're known to change over time. And there's a new salmonella serotype out there. It's called the monophasic salmonella. And it can really lead to diarrhea and some performance challenges in the pig.
3: All right, and so what type of impact does this salmonella have on the long-term health and performance of swine?
7: Some pigs are, are asymptomatic, really diagnosing, seeing if you have uh, that salmonella present, and then, you know, making sure you're having the right biosecurity, sanitation protocols, and really immunity is really important in, in combating that salmonella as well.
3: And so where are you seeing this salmonella in the United States?
7: Some herds struggle in their nursery, but it can really occur anywhere from grow to finish. And again, some some herds can be infected and and not show clinical signs, but others can really struggle.
3: All right, what about geographically across the country? Where is it more prominent?
7: Yeah, I don't know that that's been necessarily described to be more prominent in one place or another. You really just got to keep an eye out for it, and it can be anywhere, really. It's endemic to swine populations, so really swine anywhere could harbor it and potentially have a problem.
3: Can this uh, salmonella be fatal to the animals?
7: It can be. You know, if it's severe enough, it it surely can lead to to dehydration in the animal or even... you know, some acute death. So it just depends on the conditions of the specific herd.
3: That is Dr. Fernando Lette with Boeing or Engelheim Animal Health. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Annual ryegrass is a popular winter forage in East Texas, but forage specialist Vanessa Olson says ryegrass is often the enemy of hay producers.
4: Volunteer annual ryegrass can be common in hay meadows. Winter rainfalls can promote seed germination and seeds can survive for multiple years in our soils. Later maturity of annual ryegrass can delay or prevent our warm season perennial forages, such as Bermuda grass or Bahia grass, from breaking dormancy in April or May, therefore delaying our initial hay cutting. So, how do we manage this unwanted ryegrass? If your hay meadow happens to be fenced as well as have a source of water, grazing can be an excellent way to utilize the high quality forage as well as remove it from the hay meadow. We could also bale it. Harvesting ryegrass for baleage or a dry hay is an option. Baleage or haylage is forage baled at 50 to 60% moisture. It is then preserved in an airtight plastic wrap. Harvesting for a dry hay product can be tricky during years we have ample spring rainfall. Another option is to spray it. The use of herbicides to control annual ryegrass is probably the most common method practiced. As with any herbicide application, timing is critical along with following label directions. Ideally for control, ryegrass needs to be sprayed when plants are less than 6 inches in height in the fall. Annual ryegrass is generally susceptible to post-emergent herbicides in early winter prior to freezing temperatures and before seed head emergence. Unfortunately for bahiagrass growers, there are no selective herbicides available for post-emergent control of annual ryegrass. For rates and any restrictions, refer to product labels. Another option is to out-compete it. Maintaining some substantial Bermuda grass or Bahia grass stubble height greater than four inches could provide some shade that could reduce ryegrass seed germination. This may not provide 100% control. Maintaining a higher stubble height can also be beneficial for the warm season perennial future growing season. Higher stubble height means more substantial root structure to capture deeper soil moisture and nutrients. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from Overton for Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife
5: Service has approved an agreement regarding lesser prairie chickens. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And probiotics are a common supplement given to many horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag today. Parenting is full of surprises.
3: You never know what to expect.
1: So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me.
3: Sawyer is now 2
1: and we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family.
2: Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications
1: and policy terms and may vary by situation.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Probiotics are a
1: common supplement given to many horses. Dr. Bob Judd says there's a concern over whether these products are effective.
8: Probiotics are defined as live microorganisms, which when administered in adequate amounts, offer a health benefit to the animal. In horses, the intended site of treatment is the cecum and large colon, and in humans, probiotics need to be in a protective form so they do not die in the stomach. Without protection for the stomach acid in humans... Many of these organisms die before reaching their site of action. Since very few of the probiotics marketed for animals have enteric protection, a study was performed at Washington State to determine if the microorganisms in equine products can survive the upper intestinal tract to be viable when they reach the colon. The study found 54 commercially available probiotic products recommended for horses, and the researchers randomly chose 11 of these products to study. Results indicated that out of the 11 products tested, six had at least one microorganism negatively affected by a pH of 2, which is common in the equine stomach, and four were even affected by a pH of 4. Also, none of the products tested met their label claims for the number of microorganisms present, and the number of organisms present varied greatly between products. The failure of probiotic products available for horses to have the amount of organisms that they indicate on the label is a major concern. Also, this study proves that passing through the upper GI tract kills many of the organisms before they even get to the colon. Because of this, the probiotics you're giving your horses may not be very effective, and it is recommended that future probiotics for horses have enteric coating to prevent death of organisms. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has
1: approved an agreement regarding the lesser prairie chicken. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report.
5: Although a few months remain before we learn if the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will list the lesser prairie chicken as threatened or endangered, FWS did make a prairie chicken-related announcement this week. Fish and wildlife has approved a habitat conservation plan and incidental take permit for renewable energy development in the lesser prairie chickens range that was filed by lpc conservation llc the prairie chickens range spans five states kansas colorado oklahoma new mexico and texas per fish and wildlife the habitat conservation plan is designed to minimize and offset impacts to the lesser prairie chicken from wind and solar project development and transmission lines. Under the plan, industry partners may voluntarily work with LPC Conservation to ensure their projects minimize the impacts to the Lesser Prairie Chicken and its habitat. The plan, according to Fish and Wildlife, also provides regulatory certainty to participating renewable energy companies should the Lesser Prairie Chicken be listed as threatened or endangered in the future. The approved Habitat Conservation Plan and the related incidental take permits will remain in effect for 30 years. Fish and Wildlife has not yet issued their determination regarding the Lesser Prairie Chickens listing under the Endangered Species Act. A final determination is expected June 1st of 2022. The Lesser Prairie Chicken Endangered Species Act proposal includes two population segments, both of which run into part of Texas. The northern population segment impacts the northeast corner of the Texas Panhandle, while the southern population segment impacts the southwestern Panhandle. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal
1: We've seen some large losses in our agricultural markets over the past week, so how did things wrap up the week on Friday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
9: It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit SWAGCenter.org
0: stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
5: The live cattle complex opened higher on Friday but fell around midday and that fall lasted through the close. December live cattle were up though. December live cattle up two cents the close to 137.67. February live cattle up 62 cents to 138.95. January feeder cattle down $1.65 to $164.12, March feeder cattle down $1.22 to $167.10. Analysts say that could be due to the modest rally in corn seen on Thursday and Friday. Box beef higher choice up $1.92 to two seventy-three ninety-four. dollars Select up $1.36 to $259.61. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
9: <laughs> Let's head to Uvalde, valley. Talk to Klein Spear about the way his sheep and goat sale went this week. Klein,
5: how
8: did it go? Uh, market was good yesterday, Larry. Uh, sure, lots of demand out there. We only had about five hundred. Everybody getting back in the swing of things this week. Those heavy lambs were two sixty to three twenty. The light lambs were two ninety up to four dollars. Those fat ewes were. I'd say probably around that dollar to a dollar twenty, and those thin packer ewes were seventy five to a dollar. Packer nannies, a buck twenty five to two bucks. The fat Spanish nannies were dollar fifty to two, two oh five. Those stocker nannies were two to three bucks. Those good cabritos, three to three ninety. Those lightweights were three sixty up to about four thirty. So overall, uh, the market's uh been really good and just continues to. get better as we go
9: neighbor that was out in southwest texas let's move in toward the central portion of south texas into the guadalupe river valley talk to brian lintzman from segine cattle company brian how did your sheep and goats sail on
0: wednesday sheep and goat market you know I, i'm not an old man but this is the highest i've ever seen in my life those good nannies from 250 to 370 kid goats from 390 to 445 the billies from three dollars all the way up to 450 a pound you're selling a 200 pound billy bringing you as much as a 600 pound heifer those dorpers they brought from 185 to 335 with those lambs bringing from 360 to four dollars and the bucks bringing from 240 to 290 so just a heck of a deal
9: and neighbor we hope it continues to get hotter as more and more producers young and old discover the sheep and goat business in texas i'm larry marble you've been listening to us talk sheep and goats on walk in the pens a production of the texas farm bureau radio network good day
5: december lean hogs down 40 cents friday to 74 even february lean hogs down 50 cents to 81.50. December Class 3 milk closed up 26 cents to 1859. January Class 3 milk up 45 cents to 1874. Cotton rebounded on Friday after losses on Thursday due to fears of the new coronavirus variant. March Cotton Friday up 50 points to 104.20. May Cotton up 51 points to 102.91. After a rally on Wednesday and Thursday, we saw another rally in the corn market Friday. December corn up 9 to 586. March corn up 7 and a quarter to 584. December hard red wheat down 16 and a half to 822. March hard red wheat down 18 to 824 and a quarter. January natural gas up 3 cents to 408. February natural gas up 3 cents to 403. January crude oil down 79 cents to 65.71 a barrel. February crude oil down 72 cents to 65.55 a barrel. A mixed jobs report and coronavirus-related uncertainty led to a decline in the financial markets Friday. The Dow down 181 points to 34,458. The S&P 500 down 57 points to 4,519. The NASDAQ down 374 points to 15,006. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify.